Welcome to episode two of the Lateral Mind podcast. And just to fill you in on where we were in the conversation when it starts, Martin is talking about Jordan B. Peterson when he came to Perth a couple of years ago. In this episode, we also introduce ourselves a little bit, which is good, and I hope you enjoy the episode. When he came over to Perth, went to see him, went with a few mates, and like had three mates that fell asleep during it. And I was like, why did you fall asleep? Like, just, just could not stay with him. Yeah. It's like, well, was it the intellect or was it just the, the fact that he just goes off in different off angles? Tangents, yeah. You've got to have the right person either time. Did they know him at all or sort of? They, yeah, they, oh, they yeah, knew him and uh, listened to a few things of his. Um, but I just finished watching, uh, listening to um, a conversation he just had with Russell Brand, him and Michaela. Uh, I need to watch that one. Yeah. And like Russell Brand basically interviews those two. It's like he's the he's the person who comes on, but then he's asking them the, both the questions. It's like they flip the, flipped it around. He's the one that starts asking the questions. And... Afterwards, it was really awesome because the conversation is like an hour and a half, but they but they only get Russell Brand for forty minutes, and then it's just Michaela and Jordan speaking to each other about their ability to have conversations, deep conversations with people like Russell Brand, and Jordan Peterson is just saying like he's one of the most intelligent guys yeah. he's ever spoke with, mm. with to. He's just like he's just so uh, open to having deep conversation that even. Jordan Peterson saying, I, I was getting panicked that I couldn't stay with him because my mm. memory's not like what it used to be before his illness. He's like, I, it's really scared me that I couldn't remember what he was on about at the very mm. beginning. He's like, and he does. I mean, he's been an interesting guy to follow over the last ten years. Or so mm. Russell Brand, his, yeah. his whole journey from drug addiction oh, through insane. marrying Katy Perry to to yeah. everything else in between, and how he's sort of come out. I, mean, I think Alcoholics Anonymous has become a big part of his mm. thesis, which I think it's where Jordan and him kind of connected. Mm. The 12 rules for life, the 12 yeah, steps, yeah. that sort of thing. But he's very articulate, a very, very articulate mm. man. Um, very funny as well, which is, mm. which is a big thing. And he likes dogs, which is, <laughs> which is the main thing, obviously. Yeah. But they, they, uh, there's a really interesting uh, point that... Um, Jordan Peterson says, and it's like a controversial thing that Russell Brand pulls him up on, is he said that Jordan Peterson says that he doesn't believe that people can grow up without having children. Mm. Okay, without going through the process of having kids yeah. and, yeah. Yeah, and he's saying how um, you should have kids when you're young and naive, not when you're old and wise. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Because it teaches yeah. you the lessons that you need to learn to be to mature. Oh, mm. definitely. And I was like, that's a controversial thing to say, especially because there's people out there who can't have kids. Yeah as well but you can't I mean you, you still have to be able to say what you need to say about mm. what you think is the right thing to do and he's not saying that obviously people that can't have yeah. kids need to have kids it's they, they go down a good rabbit hole with that okay um, uh, so it's really interesting to watch that that episode yeah yeah that's, one that's only it's on YouTube or is it on YouTube yeah yeah it's on YouTube I don't know whether Michaela Peterson's podcast yeah, is on I don't know because Russell assume it will be Russell's on what's that he's on one of these exclusive platforms Lumiere yeah you gotta pay to oh, get Lumiere onto his content like yeah, having kids, eh? I was twenty-seven. Yeah, okay. With the first kid, which I think is—it's not young these days, but it's young on the young side, I suppose. Mm. How old were you? Twenty-six. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty-six. Similar, similar age. Yeah. And it is—it's a learning. It's but that was older when I was okay at that age. Well, you're I know you're younger than me, were they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can say that again. Um, yeah. So I think for twenty-six for me was actually. 
that was older for what most people were doing at the time. Okay. Mind you, I did get married at 19. Ooh, oh, so, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got married the same year we had the kid. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> you still in the same marriage? Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. so 25 years. High, high school month. sweethearts. Nearly. No, post, post high school. Post high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so you weren't kept back to, back a couple of years until you were 19. You were no, no, no. I think I just did, I did everything early. Yeah. I was one of those kids drinking around year five and <laughs> different things like that. So I think by the time... I hit that age at nineteen. I was looking, I was looking for something You're an deeper. Old, old soul already. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I just wanted to calm down. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, th- I think there is a transition phase in the late twenties for, for for males in general. Mm. I think if it's that search for meaning, and I think that's what children can give you, mm. is that you all of a sudden it's not about yourself anymore. It's mm. about you. You become insignificant when you have children. I'm assuming I don't have children, but that's what. Um, as a male in a family, I can I can see it becoming as you become more of an individual in the family, whereas the mother and the the son or daughter, especially for the first couple of years, it's like you're separate from them because they got their own little thing going, but but you're also a part of it at the same time. Um, my friend Josh and Liv, they're 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 um, pregnant and um, oh brilliant, Josh. Uh, I think like there's concern because obviously they're very close individuals, and as soon as a baby comes along, it's like all the the relationship between a the partners changes dramatically because all of a sudden the hundred percent has to go on to a baby, especially the breast breastfeeding, mm-hmm. and I can see that being a a bit of a um, for a lot of men challenging. Hmm. Yeah. How was it for you guys? I don't know. I think the, I think it's more natural than we kind of give ourselves. Like we think it's going to be this massive life changing event, mm. which it obviously is. But I think we actually you actually flow into it a lot better than you maybe think you yeah, will okay. or overthink it. Like you maybe overthink it. Um, it just happens. You, the work, the the freakiest thing and the thing that will go with me to the grave is the day you leave the hospital with the baby tucked into the mm. back. In, on a, in a car seat in the back and you drive off without any help without any support yeah. you're heading home and it is now your complete job to yeah that is but i think again you just it flows into it you just you do mm. what you do and i mean we're humans have been having babies since you know, millions and millions of years like we've reproduced yeah, for yeah. millions of years yeah. and I think if you can, if you just, the intuitive side of it comes out anyway. Mm. Um, I think if you overthink it, or if you, I think that's where, oh, helicopter parents have come in these days where, you know, the focus is just completely on the child. Of course it is on the child, but you need to, um, you need to have your own life as well. So that balance is, although in the first few weeks is very different. It's the the baby, I mean, human babies can't really do anything for themselves for a year or so and start walking at 11 months Mm. um 18 years actually for (laughs) for some kids um so i don't know it's such a natural part of of life but it's it is a big life event but Mm. i don't know i think these days as well there's so much pressure on parents to to do this or to do that there's so much communication about different things you should be doing that Mm. it must be really hard whereas I suppose you had dr spock and all these was it dr spock is that there was a book about raising kids or 
whatever, you only had one or two things that you would go to or your grandparents would be telling you what to do. Whereas now you've got like 60 podcasts telling, yeah, you, true. telling you the best way to parent and it would drive you nuts, I reckon. That's why you just got to go within yourself, like intuitive, go with the mm-hmm. intuitive flow because like trust you, tr- trust yourself being a human being to raise the raise the kid. So that'd be my advice. <laughs> yeah, okay. I definitely, I definitely think they become your teacher. Yeah. Um, in the sense that they trigger things for you, they trigger things in you. Yeah. Um, because you know, I was listening to one of my sons talk about today. He wants to have a son. It'll be a mini me. And I joked and said, if he's a mini me, mini you, you'll fight all the time, mm. right? Like, so we have these aspirations of what kids are going to mean and what they are and why we have them. And then I think it's a process whereby we're triggered, we grow, we're triggered, we grow. And I look at it now with my sons, one's 15 and pushing back is that age, um, the alpha elements coming in. Now you find yourself in conversations where if they become so heated when you're having a disagreement you can watch yourself pop your chest mm. and then you go what are you doing right now like what's <laughs> actually going on for you um or you just clash and you're realizing that as they get older you have less and less control mm. and then the question becomes why are you wanting control so again it's about me it's about something that's going on for me so i, th- I would agree in the sense that they can be a powerful teacher to you as much as there's learning to love while them pushing back or learning to love why things go wrong or trying to wrestle with the balance of when do I impart something to you and when do I need to let you learn mm. for yourself and so I think there's there's lessons through life um, when you have kids for sure um, maybe they're sandpaper get rid of all your rough edges um, but yeah mm. I mean, it's been great I mean I love I love being a dad but I also had to wrestle with trying to be the perfect father yeah okay you know trying to change everything that might have been my experience for the for the opposite and i i've got a great story when with my young guy who's 15 sam he actually said to me once he said yeah, but dad that that's your stuff that's not my experience i think he was probably 14 and he said wow he said yeah but that's that's not my experience that's your experience and i sat back on that going wow he's picking up that that's your issue you're bringing to the table but it actually isn't my issue dad that that's for you to deal with but no no that's not how i'm interpreting that's not what i'm working through that's not what i'm dealing with and that was one of the powerful moments where i went wow yeah this is a transition now where they can stand on their own two feet and if you're willing to listen they become a very powerful teacher in your life because they'll point out things that they notice in you it's hard to listen but i think if you're willing to yeah you'll learn a lot Mm. that's really interesting um especially considering how how young he is there's great awareness um obviously you've been having some conversations with him about about that sort of stuff so it's great but i remember um i mean throughout my childhood i didn't really have a a strong communication with my my father like it wasn't open it wasn't an open dialect there in terms of you know how he would feel or how i'd feel about what had happened throughout our um our, my childhood and things like that but when he came over to Australia when I was about 28, I was able to, I, can't, I guess I'd started to do the inner pro, the process of healing a lot of the traumas of, of my childhood. And I could have the open conversations without feeling the, the emotion. And when I started to open the dialect with him, the story that I was living within my psyche was mm. nowhere near the story that he yeah. had of the, what his truth was. Mm. 
And like, I think I upset him from, I guess, from what I, my perception of what he was like. But mm-hmm. uh, it's it's really we only have the relationship with the image of the father we have in our own psyche, not the actual person themselves. Mm. That's that is so strange but powerful if you can realize that that everything is like you said earlier about the relationship we have with your 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 children it's always about you mm. it's about the relationship you have in your own psyche with that relationship it's the the anima right it's the mm. it's the um the projection of your of the relationships i think that's in nearly all relationships isn't it, it is. human relationships in general it is you against the world um, mm. and you're always projecting your mm. troubles your issues um, that's a, an interest but with your children it's it's probably heightened to a degree mm. and you're obviously with them with them all the time mm. the physicality part's interesting you talked about that with Sam he's now like there was forever like coming straight up to me standing up to me mm. getting the eye yeah, yeah eye level and it happened obviously one day <laughs> where he came in and he was obviously taller than me and he still does it to this day the chest like when he comes near me he walks past me he even kind of in a funny way looks down at me really it's an interesting um a transition of of power maybe yeah yeah um and every now and again you have to do that fight back mm-hmm. or that sort of you know like like actually get get physical with him yeah um and it's interesting it is i mean you know in this day and age it's probably a controversial topic to talk about girls or boys or stuff like that it's one of these topics you have to tread tread mm. lightly on but you don't have that same physicality with um with with my daughter emma mm. you got two boys yeah? yeah three boys three boys yeah um so it's slightly different which is which is interesting i don't know where that comes from if it is uh, a societal construct or not mm. i don't think so i don't think so i think there's heavy biology in there mm. heavy biology and i think in this day and age that's getting lost and filtered out and which is just is quite sad in the in the sort of conversations um but yeah it's yeah your relationship with your kids is something that you just i don't know it's it's i probably don't think about it enough um because i have such a i have a great relationship with them and it's a very um open relationship very you know i think with us it's about laughter it's about connection it's about sitting down at the end of the day mm. around the fire or around the dinner, dinner table and just letting things out and chatting so i really like that sort of that sort of connection mm. um i don't know i need I guess to think the, about it more i need to be i think if if there's set structure in terms of values, then it doesn't need to be overthought too much, right? Because course, you've, yeah. you've, you've kind of created the dynamic of how it all works and functions within yeah. the family because it yeah. all comes off the same values. And I think you're right. Overthinking it can be an issue. Mm. When you, I mean, we're talking about that with babies. Like overthinking the, what you should or shouldn't be doing mm. becomes just this loop of, I know this can be quite a negative loop, I think. You know, I'm not doing the right thing. And then you have regret about this or regret about that. Looking back, should I have done this differently? Or yeah, or taking too much responsibility. So you're responsible for everything that goes wrong or right with your kids. And that becomes a bit of a sort of power thing anyway, isn't it? You're yeah, sort of I like, think, you know, I'm, I'm the one in control. You know, I... Yeah, I mean... You can blame yourself easily for it. Yeah, I'd agree. I think I've even in the role I play um, as a coaching coordinator and working with parents and coaches at basketball is 
you'll see the legacy component be dominant in living through your kids um, or trying to replace something that didn't go well for you in your childhood through your kids. But the other side of it is when things don't go right um, or things go wrong with your kids, what didn't I do right when they were young? I must have got this wrong. I must have done something here or there or there. Um, so you, you're over-involving yourself in both both realms, um, one or the other. Um, so I think, and I, look, I'm, I'm not judging others. I think that's something that I've learned in myself with my kids and especially through sport. Um, the vicariously living through your kids, if they say play basketball, it's not so much that you're always trying to get them to replace what you missed out in sport per se, but something deeper that's going on in you. It might be... A deep need for protection. Well, that's going to show up when you watch your kids play sport. You know, you're going to, or you've got a deep need with perfectionism. Well, why is it you want your kid to be perfect in sport? Why can't they make a mistake? Well, that need for protection is your need, not their need, but you'll project that out onto them. And the next thing you know, though that's not their issue, you can make it their issue. Mm. So we're coming back to that, that core concern of yours outplaying itself. You know, and that's what I'm talking about when you have kids. It's triggering your core concern. And that coming back to that self-awareness, if you can see that going on for you and you can say, what's happening for me here? What's going on for me in this moment? Um, and trying to understand that and take that time means that we're not operating out of that core concern or projecting out onto others, which we, we all do. Um, I definitely do. It's trying to take a step, take a breath and go, Luke, what's going on for you right now? Like when Sam... My Sam stands up and puts his chest out, or and I suddenly my chest out. It's that little moment where you've got that little fit to go, what are you doing, mate? Or, all right, then let's go. And you've just gone down an angle that you can never, ever come back from. And it's that. Um, and so I've shared that with Sam. And one time he said that to me, he goes, what are you doing, Dad? What's going on? Why are you poking your chest at me? <laughs> and then you're like, oh, you're getting me that side of things as well. Um but I think, it, I think that's the other thing is they're teachers, listen, learn. Life is a journey of just of learning if we embrace it, I think. Yeah, um, and I mean, I think past a certain point, you've, you've taught them everything as they're little sponges when they're a baby up mm-hmm. until like four or five years old, you know. I mean, they say, <laughs> this is what we're talking about, like knowledge. Do, you, do I really know? Have I studied the data? Probably not. But they say when four-year-old, four-year-olds are probably the personality is kind of ingrained you're you're kind of on that path now to to what you're going to be and with biology as well determinism even the the dna the genes in the in the body already has there's a path already put there so all you can do then is is be the support figure at the side and encourage and laugh laughter is probably the the best mm-hmm. thing you can ever do with a with a kid and have fun and be a be a kid with them and sort of show them how to have fun um, or let them show you as well how to have fun, especially now at this age. So I don't know. Um, it's a complicated thing. And I think, as I said before, don't overthink it in any of the stages in, in, your, in your child and parent relationship. Just let it, let it be what it is. Be self-aware enough to see when, as, as you said, when something is happening or when they're mm. teaching you something. Um, it's interesting that you, I mean, you want kids, don't you? Yeah, I'm, um, I've been thinking about the journey for maybe the last three years, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, I'm excited to have children because... Like the initial creation phase? or 
<laughs> yeah, well, I'm excited for that every night. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just think it's just one of the magical powers that we get to have. Like, mm-hmm. it really is. It's, it's, I like you're looking at it that way. I like it. Yeah, it's like uh, it's, it comes back to, you know, I guess, the what I've learned in terms of the divinity and spirituality of, of life is creation. Mm-hmm. And if you're creating things why not create a human and help you know bring new consciousness into into the world like that's the most powerful thing that i think we we, we possess the ability to do so um when I, now and it's controversial but when people say they don't want children like i think there's a biological necessity in you to actually to have children and i think that people who say they don't they might need to necessarily just look at reasons why is that is there something that you can look in information in there that might help you heal some kind of wound from your past or from something that you're scared of that might actually lead to something greater or improve or something better for yourself? Maybe not, but uh, mm. I think just think we are grounded in biology. Um, and that, yeah, I'm at the age now where I think my biology is starting to take over and the, with the women that I surround myself with similar age, at exactly the same point so mm. hopefully within the next couple of years I like it mm. watch this space <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about um, the last podcast we had and we didn't really do any major introductions of who we actually are or you know or if anybody cares <laughs> um, but I thought it might be quite a nice um, a nice thing to do would be just to do a quick intro of kind of who you are. I mean, you've had some big things happen lately, Luke, um, with with your um, being certified. Mm. I won't say in what, just being certified. Yeah. <laughs> Does that mean you get administered somewhere <laughs> with a white jacket? <laughs> Definitely. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so maybe if you want to just give us your, your elevator pitch of, of you as a human being. See, I've got to do this at work now. We're oh, having right. to do our roles and responsibilities and a fun fact about ourselves. I'll be the last one to do it. It's just, <laughs> it's just not me. But um, so, Luke O'Keefe, um, I am forty-four years old. I have three sons. Um, Zach is seventeen. Sam is fifteen, and Kaylin is twelve. Um, I've been married this April, um, April twentieth. Twenty-five years. I would have been married. So, well done. Yeah, I mean, which which has been a great journey. Um, Beck had to wait for me to grow up so you know that took some time <laughs> but we got there in the end um, so yeah so that's exciting and I think where I'm at in my life I've had multiple jobs since I was a very young guy and I've learned now that most of those roles have been around seeking to support assist and help others um, so that took me through where I think I met you actually was when we started the charity in Zimbabwe so that was 10 years or so of my life um, and then we moved I started the app which is a safe chat app for kids which is the same thing how to protect kids um, and help others and then um, obviously not for profits as well and now I'm a, um, a program manager um, for a, in an IT sector and I've just as you mentioned completed my um, my accredited coaching course so that's been two years of my life um, and that's been a great journey for me finding an ideology of personal change 
that out of that overflows the ability to help others. Um, and I searched for something for a while that would would target that to to work within yourself and give you those keys to continually do that and then seek to help others. So I've just done that and I'm keen to progress to next steps on that. Um, so started the, started a business there and will slowly work my way through. So coaching at work now as well. There's a couple of people that I'm coaching at work and a couple of others that I'm coaching outside of that. And I'm keen to keen to progress that into the next chapter of my life. So having hit my 40s, it's about what the next stage of life is going to be like. Um, and so, yeah, seeking to uh, build that out, build out sidewalk, um, that concept of we don't walk in front or walk behind you, but we walk with you towards the change that, that you want. So, yeah, that's probably my elevator pitch. I'm not sure it'll get me investment, but... Uh, <laughs> I know it's really interesting because... Um, when I was thinking about the podcast, and as I said in the last episode that we talked about sitting down to chat, because Martin, you're in a similar position, um, different age, about 10 mm. years gap, mm. um, maybe a little less, but you've obviously been working full time and are now taking a bit of time off once a week or twice a week on Mondays twice and Tuesdays week, yeah. to yeah. work on your own coaching. So I thought there's an interesting yeah. synergy there between where you, are, you guys yeah, right. are in your life. He's um, just ahead of me because he's <laughs> 10 years in front. <laughs> So who are you, Martin? Um, Martin McPhillamy, 32 years old, English guy, living on his own in um, Australia. <laughs> no family over here, got friends, these two guys, and many more. Um, I do have a partner, I'm not married. I um, yeah, have never been married. But all my life I've always liked to help people make better decisions. Um, I, I've always felt like I can see the future for individuals and I can see the choices that people are making and how they can go wrong. And in, in, um, in school, I had a nickname called Trisha and there's a Trisha Goddard and she is uh, basically like a Jeremy, is it Jerry Springfield, like a, a debate kind of help families uh, argue things out sort of thing. Oh, Jerry Springer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. like that, that okay. sort of TV shows. Like yeah, yeah. It, it, she used to host one of those TV shows. And when I was in school, pretty rough school, I'd always get the two guys that'd be fighting. I'd be right in the middle just mm -hmm. talking to them, saying, hey, look, do you want to make this? You've got two options here. You either listen to me and you, you, know, you walk away. You stand proud that you walked away, that you knew that you could fight this guy and make a decision and go away. Or you fight this guy and you end up getting in trouble and you potentially get chucked out of school. So always like to help people mm. make a better, better, better choices. Um, but then my passion really got into uh, the human body and that just kind of led me down going into uh, like sport and exercise sciences, always a sporty guy, always loved my, um, how the human body works and eventually got into healthcare and my, uh, basically my my degrees and, and, and my research that I did led me down into the, the field of respiratory, the lungs and, and sleep. So I trained as a respiratory and sleep scientist for uh, three or four years over in the UK and then always wanted to live in Australia, inspired by the Sydney Olympics, inspired by the Rugby World Cup, Johnny Wilkinson 2003. Um, and my brother, <laughs> my, my brother also got the opportunity to go and I was always a bit jealous that I never got the opportunity to go to school. And one day, just looked on seek.com.au and there was a company called Cardio Respiratory Sleep looking for a sleep and respiratory scientist and I'd just become certified, accredited mm -hmm. and applied for it. And uh, yeah, a month later, I told my mom I'm leaving, I'm moving to Australia. 
Um, then when I came over here, um, yeah, I went from working in a big giant, well, the largest public hospital in the UK to, I guess, a small little tiny private place in Perth. It was a big difference in terms of the amount of patients I was seeing, the, I guess, the, the, the amount of experience and I got to have and how open it was to be able to be seeing different doctors and different patients that, um, I guess I found it a bit too boring and mm. then decided I wanted to widen my ability to reach more people. And that was to develop, uh, where I saw a gap where under the age of 35 to 40 to 50, people start to get fo- so focused on their career and their their path of life, they forget about health and they then deteriorate and end up with chronic disease and stress issues and stuff like that. So the concept performance through health, which is my, my business, um, and I now I help people manage their stress through 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 breathing protocols, scientific breathing protocols, and um, uh, which then lays over into improving people's sleep as well. So yeah, sleep and respiratory expert that is specializing in stress management. What's the name of your right. business? Performance through health. Can be found on all good social channels. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about myself. Oh, here we go. No. <laughs> okay, um, my name is Michael Duncan. Um, I am, this is when you get to this age, you have to actually try and remember how old you are. 48 years old. Um, came to Australia when I was a young whippersnapper at the age of 15. Went from the Scottish winter time to the northwest in Karatha. Wow. Um, when I was 15. Stopped in Africa on the way across, which was nice. Oh, you, got, you got some experience of the heat then. Oh man, I tell you what, it would have been yeah, 45, 50 degrees <laughs> in Karatha. So I had, did my last three years of school up there, uh, year 10, 11 and 12. And it was awesome. Karatha was amazing. I mean, it's one of these things that you can look back on and go, that could have gone really pear-shaped, I suppose. Being a city kid from Edinburgh, like in, in Scotland, like leaving my dad, my sister, mm. um, family, and coming across with my stepdad and my mum, my mum who's still in, in Perth, who's the only family I've got here, apart from obviously my, my family, Joanne and the kids. Um, so, yeah, looking back, I, I think for me, I am a very easygoing person. So I, I tend to just get into whatever I need to do and be the life change, like moving literally hemispheres from, from north to south. Um, yeah, came down, luckily, in the last, last second, got into university, to Curtin University, to do design, and came down and lived, lived for, um, yeah, ever, ever since 1991 in, in Perth. Studied for three years at Curtin University and graduated, and as all good graduates do, worked in a bar. <laughs> After that, actually, I travelled for a year, went back to the UK, connected back with friends and family, then came back to Australia um, and worked in Rosie O'Grady's pub for a (laughs) number of years. Interesting. So I didn't actually use my degree until actually until I had kids, until married Joanne, had Emma um, and went back and reconnected with the kind of technical aspect of design. I'm a graphic designer. I was by trade. So reconnected with that and um, started working at a publisher's doing like my typical Perth stuff, oil and gas mm-hmm. um, layout and stuff like that. And then ended up working at a bigger design agency, which was, which was great. And then when it was about 32, 33, decided to just start my own thing up. The kids were young. Um, Emma, actually it must have been 2000 and, yeah, 2004 I started my own business, which is a long time ago, 2005. Um, 
and the kids were at home, so there's a work, work from home dad. Joanne was working full time. So swapped, swapped positions a little bit there and um, have never looked back. And now I run a small digital agency, Meta Creative, which has been going now for Meta Creative in, in this setup has been going for about 12 years. And there, yeah, that's, that's the, the, my short elevator pitch. So <laughs> I missed a, a big chunk in between, obviously. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's been lots happening. But um, so, yeah, interesting um, life change when I was 15, which I do think about every now and again. And I know my mum does feel guilt for it. Okay. And she left a, her 16-year-old daughter in, in um, Scotland as well. And I know the guilt does play quite heavily on her. I mean, Joanne's great. Um, she's living in Glasgow, um, got a kid. She's actually a grandmother as well. Um, and my mum is lucky enough to be able to go across not in the last couple of years, mm, but yeah. has been able to go across and connect. And I, I have too. And I mean, the, thing, the big thing for us and our family has, has been travel, has been experience. And that's, again, talking about kids is just get out there, take them places, show them things. And as a kid as well, that was, we were taking lots of places, little holidays. I mean, that's where my fondest memories are of, I was thinking about it the other day, actually in Scarborough in the north, in Yorkshire. Oh, yeah. As a kid, we went to this amazing, like, fun place i can't even i don't even know what the name of this place is but i've got this memory of just the most magical night of my life eh? and it was like beautiful hill and it would have been okay weather for for yorkshire we probably would have been like 20 degrees or something like that but in the evening it was just this lights and i don't know i've just got some magical memories from from my childhood and i think i'm super grateful my parents divorced at quite an early age i was about nine but obviously stayed in stayed in close contact, I lived with my mum, but we were always taken places and always just fun and laughter. As I said that before, has always been such a big part of, of my life. We weren't the most emotionally connected family. We weren't a huggy family. We didn't talk a lot about emotion, um, but we just let the emotion be a natural part of our life. Laughter, probably crying every now and again. But again, we weren't, yeah, it's interesting. And I, I've, I've changed a little bit over time and I are a lot quite open with my kids, um, which is something that my parents have taught me by not, not being so open with communication. Mm. Um, and I, I'm really proud of being able to speak to my kids on many different levels um, and letting them tell us what they're doing. I mean, Sam's amazing with what he can tell us <laughs> that he's been up to, which is like, maybe you don't need to tell us that <laughs> exactly, but... Um, so yeah, I mean, that's we're we're now sitting here as three complicated human beings <laughs> trying to chat mm -hmm. with a very dry mouth, I must say. Um, and it's just I, my last little journey, the last few years has been probably on a deeper philosophical level, and that it could be an age thing. I think it probably is. You hit an age, and death is a little bit closer. It could be very close. It could be tomorrow. Um, so I don't know, it's a, there's been a big change in the last few years. I don't know if you call it a midlife crisis or you just call it experience and, and maybe there's a balance that tips over and you start sort of trying to understand why, why we're here and, and whatever. So I don't know what the next stage is, but enjoy, uh, enjoying life, which is good. Mm. As long as you're enjoying life and you're not preparing yourself for death. Uh. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not prepare. just well, preparing, preparing for it to a degree in regards to accepting our mortality, yeah. mm. which I think is a very powerful tool to be able to face that and to look at it and to 
even maybe play it out in your mm. head. Not, I'm not saying su- killing yourself or anything, but just the, 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 the fact that every second is very precious. Mm. And obviously when life events happen around you with different people, you, you obviously understand that a lot more. Um, you read a lot on stoicism as well. Of yeah. course, yeah. of course. Um, and by the way, we are having a sauna in here tonight. Can you feel the heat in here? <laughs> I'm like literally sweating. Your glasses are fogging up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think it would be that hot. It was a hottish day. But um, yeah, I mean, Stoics played, I don't listen. The Stoics were my introduction into philosophy. Um, and that was through Tim Ferriss, Ryan mm-hmm. Holiday, all these guys, which is like your Stoicism 101 sort of stuff. But um, the practical element of the, the Stoic philosophy, the idea that you can only control what you can control there's no other like you know if things happen to you without that aren't your fault or you have no control over don't let that influence your emotion to sort of to take over so that has been a that has been a big part and they do a a practice of of mortality thinking Mm -hmm. about um, tragedy death and sort of facing it rather than because I think a lot a lot of people today and and, and probably kids these days are very sheltered from, from sort of deeper topics or, or, or darker themes. You've got to be careful with that sort of stuff as well. It's obviously something you don't want to go too deep into. But I think acknowledging the dark side um, is, is a very powerful practice as well. But the Stoics led me into deeper stuff like Nietzsche and whatever. And I think on the last podcast I mentioned it. It is a rabbit hole and is something you could spend a lifetime trying to understand. And that's what I really enjoy is just trying to understand or at least build knowledge and build an understanding of the human psyche, your own psych- psyche, and, and sort of just playing with it a little bit, I think. I think playing with, with life is, is really important, being that child again and mm. seeking seeking knowledge, seeking something new is is very important instead of being... Not trapped, but um, in a in a kind of rut in life, or even blinkered in life, and sort of just just letting life happen to you instead of sort of scratching the edges and trying to mm. trying to sort of cut through a little bit and see see what's going on. I agree. I think uh, I was having a conversation with Dalvin the other night, and she. Uh, I, I said that I think curiosity is the reason why human beings have evolved. Mm. It's like, okay, well, there's instinctual things where you have to find food, but really the development that we have gone through with technology and, and the way we've gone, it's like we wouldn't have that if it wasn't for curiosity and courage. Those two values, you could call them values, you could call them personality types. Um, for me, uh, I think are, are so powerful to... to, to, to I guess experienced in life in the way that I project out that I think would be the way that life should be experienced. Uh, yeah, so yeah, you're saying be open to mm. new ideas, being childlike, <clears throat> and going, what can I explore? Um, how can I revisit things that I have lived in a certain path? Like I think moving from England to Australia, just move, just that move in general, moving away from your group of peers who you've spent your whole life being, I guess, yeah, the structure that you're in, creating who you are, your thoughts, your beliefs, your values, your, everything you're in, when you move to a different group, and it's not even a massive culture change, but it was a huge mm. change for me. The slight variance between just some of the Eastern philosophies that are in Perth versus in the UK that my psyche 
attached onto and started to go down that rabbit hole of learning more about spirituality when I was depressed rather than looking at medications back at home I was on antidepressants this way I went down into meditation I went into spirituality which I would never have done if I was with my peer groups back at home like that that curiosity to move away and explore something new I think just changes you and develops you and, and it's something that I would say that everyone needs to try and explore I think that's an experience. I know when you talk about helping people through your coaching, mm. a lot of it is focused on people back home. Mm. I've noticed a lot of the time you're wanting to reconnect with, with mm. the people because you understand deeply the the issue there. The UK is a funny place. It's a very... It's so boxed. It's so, like, I guess America's the same. And I guess when it's a lot, it's a lot of the West, it's just like we're so commercialized and, mm. you know, it's all capitalism. It's all... It's all focused on technology. It's all focused on on everything that's in front of us. It's 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 it. We, if it's dictated by what's next in terms of the biggest thing that's either in the media or that's in, um, I guess popularity, like whether that's pop music, whether that's the Apple phone, whether it's the new laptop, whether it's a new whatever. It's be open to exploring what's new in the mind or what's old in the mind hmm. or what can change in the mind like that for me was the biggest changing point and like we said earlier there's a there's a point where a man starts to i guess mature for me that was the biggest the biggest maturation of my life was stop looking in the external looking in the internal and just seeing what pops up mm. What's your journey like being from a health perspective in the last, like reaching reaching the lovely 40s? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's changing. I think looking at my son now who's getting into, well, he's always been athletic and fit. Um, now as he's, I think he's almost got me in height um, and he's been lifting weights and building his body and it's visibly, you can see the growth and... Um, I look at that and it's almost a look at the past, that it's about strength. It's about visibly being strong. I think when you hit my age, you now start thinking about what am I eating? What supplements do I need? And it's it's not so much about holding on to life, though I think there's probably a component there of I want longevity. But I think you're transitioning into, I would say, holistic life. Um, the Greek term holism is everything. So it's about food, it's about supplements, it's about meditation, it's about um, being open-minded, continue to learn. Um, and I find that there's been a temperance to, there's a temperance to your testosterone post 40. Um, so that's a natural change that begins to happen in your body. Your metabolism slows. So where what you used to be able to eat you can't eat because your metabolism is slowing to the point because your testosterone is slowing as well. So you gain weight quicker, um, which is really interesting when you coincide with your economic position is usually far healthier at the point that your metabolism is slowing. <laughs> when you can get wine and cheese and these things. When you're young, you're not in that economic position, but that's the just the right time to be consuming that sort of stuff. Um, so I think it's, for me, my health now is it's, it's adapting to, now that I've hit my 40s, to realize that, this is just where I am now, 
that I can't have everything that I want to have um, in the sense of food and drink because of the ramifications on your body. You want it, but when you start looking at long term, it's like, what do I need in, to put in my body versus what I may want to put in my body? Um, so there's, there's that changing adaption to that. That's a good mental um, problem to have as well. It's good for your, your mental exercise to yeah. restraint in, in what, you, what you can eat, yeah, which I think is hard sometimes. But. Physically, emotionally, and mentally, because I think it's, it's not healthy for a human to have everything that they want. It's not, it's not healthy in a place to do that. It, I think it is good to have restraint within that. I think then there's so there's that side. Then with your physical body, like we were joking before, it's easier to injure yourself post forty, and you just go, why, "Why did this happen? This has never happened to me before." Or your delayed onset uh, muscle soreness is not two days after; it's sometimes immediate and lasts for five days. <laughs> um, so that's a really weird dynamic to to go through. Um, I think. I think the other elements are around how you, what you begin to read, what you begin to study. I think it is a reflective part of your life. I think you naturally become um, deeply reflective because your mindset and things change. As your physical body and things begin to adapt and change, you naturally are having to come to terms with that. So you, you're starting to think that way. You're starting to reflect that way. Um, you know, post forty is that time where you look back at what you've done. It's a really big time of looking back. What did I accomplish? What did I do? And so I think I've noticed there's the element of the midlife crisis can kick in at that point. And it's what I've learned in my own life is you can you can look outward to the physical things of replacing what you may not be having. So, you know, you might go through where you grow a beard, where you've not grown a beard, you grow your hair long, wear more jewelry, find a different partner. Get read, start look at buying more, get a new car. Like there's that element, and I'm not not creating judgment, but there's also a time where you, the courage to turn and face, mm. turn and face within yourself, um, and look at what might be coming to the surface to you, what what the shadow self might be there, and it's a chance to then, that becomes, that becomes your strength. That becomes the journey now of pushing within and fighting that fight um, and working through that, because I think that's what helps you as you progress to the next next chapter, the, the next part of life. So I think my health is physical, emotional, mental. It's like my whole way of being, you know, how my thinking, how my emotions and my body all interconnect. Um, it's probably, so it's changed for me. Um, I yeah. think crisis is the wrong word, I think, isn't it? From yeah. a language perspective, it's not a midlife crisis. It's like a midlife metaf- metamorphosis or, or whatever. There's a positive aspect to it, self-reflection, <laughs> looking back and being grateful or regret, whatever yeah. whatever it is that comes up. Um, and there is there's now decisions to be made. Like you you can you can look back in your on your life and 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 I think that's where gratitude plays probably the, at, at this age the most at any, at any age as well. Obviously, Martin, but um, at our age especially is to look back and 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 savor what you've experienced um and look back at it in a positive light it's Mm. it's funny i was reflecting just as i was driving here thinking about my trips in africa and different things like that and i suddenly hit me to go isn't it funny luke that all your memories of adventure are in the past and i went oh gee that's old age mate (laughs) that's what that is where 
every adventure and memory you have is is in the past. I and, can feel an adventure coming on. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I felt challenged to go. That's what I said is why? Why is every adventure in the past? Is it because as you get older, it's about self-preservation? Is it because of responsibility? Like they're good thoughts to you've just. You've got more experience. You've you've had the adventures, yeah. so there's maybe part of your part of your life's puzzle that's fitted into place and has been accomplished. Mm. And not, I mean, or is it adventure with others? You know, do we stay young by staying connected to those who who still have that? So do we, as old age, we can share wisdom and experience with younger, but younger can pull us back into that space of joy and adventure. And it might be adapted. You might not be able to do everything you used to be able to do. But yeah, I look at that and I look at my sons going, yeah, there's going to be times where they're going to want to do things. And it's, yeah, I'll go. I'll do that. Because otherwise I'm going to end up living that which I never wanted to live is a quiet life of frustration. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. That does not no, sound good. No, it can happen where you're suddenly sitting back and you're in your 50s going, what? how did I get here? Why didn't I do that? Why didn't I do that? And I think sometimes being that open learner means you're open to new things constantly and you can gravitate and hold on to those things rather than moving to a point where you haven't done anything for multiple years going, how did I get here? And then there's a, just a weight of regret within that. So, yeah, I definitely felt challenged in that thought process to go, you're only 44, mate. Like, it's it's not that old. You know, there's heaps in front of you, mm. heaps that you can do. If you want to get more flexible, how do you want to get more flexible? In fact, you should get more flexible because, let's be honest, you tighten up. So (laughs) let's get that. Let's go join yoga. Like it could be that that's adventure to you post in old age is going enjoying a yoga class and embarking on that. It doesn't have to be bungee jumping or – but it is still something that's outside your comfort zone that gives you that that energy. I've just never been a sports car person. Same, same. I don't know. It really resonates with me um, because I've got a – I guess a, a quite a big decision coming up in in the next few months because my partner is um, actually moving to Indonesia in three weeks' time. Wow! To do, uh, she's doing some ocean conservation work and like a dive masters, but she's like, I don't actually know where I want to come back. Will you come out mm. with me? And we've had like a lot of conversations, and you know, it, it's got to be, I've got to go for me, not for her. Mm. I've got it's got to be right for me, and so that question on my head, on my mind, is like, okay, is it right for me to go? It's like, but then, like, I'm, like, I don't have responsibility. I've just, I'm all I'm worried about is career. Hmm. I mean, my goal is to be remotely working online anyway. So is it really just forcing me into being able to make it work? by going over there and just going, hey, look, like I'm just going to drop to a point where I don't actually have the safety of income. I'm going to have to find the income and, and do it. Yeah, okay, I'm in Indonesia and I potentially don't need to earn as much. And my rent's not going to be that much. And I've got a fair fair amount of savings behind me now where I can I can, you know, I can be safe to do it. Um, so you t- saying, you know, even at the age of 42, you're still like, you know, you reflect and go, I wish I'd done. No, I wish I had more adventure in my life. Like, I haven't travelled much at all, other than to the other side of the world to live. Now I've been to family holidays to Spain and been to Egypt, and I'm grateful for those. But in terms of getting experience of 
going to live on an island and just taking a risk and going to do that like I, I've, like that makes me thrive it makes me want to go and do it like mm. she says would well, you think you'd like the island life I'm like I have no idea like I'm a city boy but yeah. I'm very open to trying absolutely anything if it doesn't work and I don't like it then I don't like it but I think that I can always make pretty much anything that I step myself into to enjoyable because mm. I think it's just the way you look at things you know she's like oh well, there's a um she went afterwards she wants to do some uh um, it's like a horticulture course or something mm. like that like learning about how to live off the land and there's like a, a group of family over, over there and i'm like that sounds awesome like my end goal in the, in the future is to have you know, a, a place where i can just live off a little bit of land and just have some kind of retreats to people mm. come and do some breath work and and like be maybe, a great place to bring up a baby yeah exactly exactly so i'm like you said okay. within two years. Like that was your. You <laughs> well, we've, yeah, exactly. And or three or four yeah. years. But and um, like that's just. She's like, oh, it's 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 no, it's cost it's cost quite a bit of money. I'm like, how much is it? She's like, oh, it's two thousand dollars. I'm like, but no, that's teaching you skills for life. Like, mm. you, you, know, if you can learn it's an how investment. to. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you can learn how to um, you know, grow crops and things like that, and just little veggie patch. Like you can do that, and then live off that. You're gonna you're gonna save yourself two thousand dollars in just vegetables and and <laughs> potatoes. We got we got down here. Like, um, so yeah, like it's a gonna be a big decision. It's a scary one. Yeah, but how are you approaching it? Like, how are you um, thinking about it? Or I'm are not you giving yourself time like once a week to think about it. Or are you just letting it come in? And so then go out. I'm, we're having the conversations when when. I guess more, more so the concerns about obviously her originally moving away and then being being apart from each of us. So the conversations have been around that to begin with, but we don't really know from August onwards which what's going to happen. So we're saying we can't predict the future, so we're not really going to think about too, the the future too much. I just know that my focus needs to be on getting myself in the position where I can go over um so if i'm starting to get ahead of myself and getting concerned and that's causing me to procrastinate now i'm pulling myself back into what do i need to do in the immediate so i'm trying not to give myself too much ahead other than planning other than like you know know your budget know what uh, i've got my the practical stuff yeah gonna, i've applied for my citizenship it. knowing mm-hmm. i've got a no i'll have to give my notice in at this point i'll have to sell the car i'll have to make sure the other issue is i've got to find a new rental because my house the house itself just moved into is getting up for sale so i'm like okay well i've got to move into a new rental but then i might be leaving it in three mm. or four months time like so yeah all those things but generally um we've just said look i need to focus on me mm. and you focusing on you which is great um and we'll just see in in september where i'm at and where she's at, she might not like Indonesia and want to come back. Yeah, yeah. She grew up on an island, so I'm assuming she's going to want to stay on an island. <laughs> where did she grow up? Where did she? Uh, Delphine. Mm. She grew up in Reunion Island. Okay. Yeah. Do you know where that is? No, I have. Is it the, the between, Fiji sort of between? Um, uh, is it the Maldives and like Madagascar? Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So there's like a French yeah. island there. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, called Reunion Island. Yeah. She's originally from France, but they moved there when she was like young. So no, she lived her whole life on a small little island and moved here when she was eighteen. So she's just a an ocean girl that loves being being near the water, and she's always dreamed of doing that. So she's moved from marketing to then going to go to do a dive masters and um, do her yoga classes as well. And she just wants to be more involved in that sort of stuff. So I think that's great. You know, I've, when we when she first told me, I just basically supported her and said like, go for it. Like this is what 
obviously there was concerns because we were getting close, but um, it was challenging for me to be able to continue to be supportive. And she would ask questions like, do you think I'm stupid for leaving this country in the middle of a pandemic? Mm. And I would say a quick like, yes, but then I'd say retract it and say, actually, I don't know where that's coming from because I don't know whether I'm worried that you're leaving mm. or whether that the true nature is that you're leaving in a stupid time. Mm. So it's like, can you refrain from asking those questions because I can't, unless I have the awareness to where my answer's coming from, then like I might- Give me a day to answer that, please. Once yeah. you've asked it, yeah, I yeah, to yeah, think yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, because I could be tarnishing what you want based on fear, not on true love. Mm. So um, I think asking her not to ask those questions the wrong way. Um, so I allow her to ask the questions now, but I also say to her, you know, give me time to think about it. Because otherwise I might just go, yeah, stupid. I want to tarnish you. I want you to stay here. Mm. And I don't want that to happen. Mm. You're in a good position with your self-awareness and where you are mentally just now, mm. I think. Yeah, so. oh, very good. Very, very stable, um, motivated. Um Probably, yeah, mentally the strongest I've been, and physically, actually. Physically the strongest, whether they come three, hand... Three weeks till you're strong, man. Whether, whether they come hand in hand, um, but yeah. Well, I think they do. I mean, the body and the mind mm. are deeply connected, obviously. So I think that your health um, plays directly on your mental your mental health. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think knowing that and knowing where I am at the moment as well, it gives me confidence that moving away, would, would I'd be fine with it. I moved from England to, to mm. here. And it was okay. I know there's going to be trouble, there's going to be you know, hardship, but that's, if I look at the growth and I look at it from the aspect of, okay, well, I'm going to move away, but it's going to be challenging, but the growth that I'll get from it and the experience that I'll be able to look back on and maybe, hey, I might even find a life that's amazing. Um, yeah, I'm more motivated to move than I'm not, I mm, guess. Okay, interesting. And it's like a young age as well, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like you know, from what you were saying, it's like um, you're saying you're 42, you're getting that. Like I'm 32 and I'm getting. Like I'm like I haven't had much as much adventure. Well, why not do it when I haven't got children? Mm. Mm. Yep. Mm. I think um, travel has been a big part. I think traveling, been to Africa, and Africa is one of these places that kind of stays with you once you yeah, it gets in your blood once you've been mm. there because it is so kind of ancient and big. There's a weird feeling when you're there, which I had up in actually we were in Kalbarri recently on a on a little break, first time I've been there. And that place is like prehistoric, man. It's, you you wander through these gorges and you can just feel millions of years around you. It's exactly how it would have been for millions and millions of years. And I think that's a really powerful um, teacher, um, nature, and especially nature like that, which is so um, stimulating, like everything about it, the color, the smell, the, the noises, the water, everything. It's, and Africa's the same. I remember being in Africa, I was 15, Went to like Spurwing Island and you know like learned how to water ski on Lake Kariba with crocodiles. It's a great, <laughs> it's a really really good place to learn how to water ski because you don't want to fall in. Um, but I just remember the rocks. Like first time I came from friggin' Edinburgh. They had a couple of big rocks. Edinburgh's got like Arthur's Seat and the castle on a rock. But these this Africa had something about it that just it kind of taps right into you, and it's a weird feeling. Um, and I don't know if there's any other place on earth that do, that would do the same thing. I have not been everywhere in the world, but I've been to a few places, and I know places like that change. There's something chemically that changes in your in your mind. I reckon. How many times did you go to Africa? Look, so from 2008 
Every year? Every year, yeah. Mm, yeah, so always to Zimbabwe. Um, and and I still love that place um, and spent a good time with the people there. Um, learned a lot about about community development um, in while we were there and just it's a humbling experience to to work with people where you learn that I mean we never wanted to be the new great white colonialist hope riding on the back of the horse to save anybody our goal was always to you know support a community in their goals and their aspirations to come out and and I think that's part of the journey that's been been white stayed with me is to see a community that as they come out of abject poverty is the natural intuition and entrepreneurial ideas that come forth mums making hats baskets things to send their daughters to school because daughters were often not sent to school it was the sons and they were sent to school so that women who built whole kitchens out of clay polished clay and they would do that for others to raise money to send their daughters and I remember sitting there just going you know what people don't we, we often sit back when people have nothing and we, we in our opinions that we treat as fact, judge um, other people groups. But you're doing that from a position where you've been, if you want to call it, blessed to be where you're born and have what you have. Um, and it's easy to enact judgment. But if you, if you support someone else, walk in their shoes, and you'll see the same aspirational goals that we have um, come forth. But when you're hand-to-mouth feeding, you don't have time to think about anything else other than where's my next meal coming from. So we, my friend and I, Dave, grew up a lot as well and got taught a lot by the community and just sitting in the dust and listening. Um, And, yeah, look, we went and whitewater rafted. We bungee jumped. We went back to his farm um, where they were dispossessed and which is why he came came over and saw that farm, which was a really full-on day for him um and then just the game the game park the family farm that was connected to their their cat their um, game park there was just for me was a spiritual place i think um so that's really stuck deep within me i often think about it now i haven't been back since 2013 so you you know i started other businesses and just getting back is it's problematic um and obviously now not too easy mm-hmm. so um it's good. I mean, Dave's still doing that. He's over there now. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he started a new, um, a new, I suppose not for, it's a not-for-profit, but it takes investment in um, how you bring animal species, hoofed animal species, into drought-resistant um, areas, and they break up the soil, and then plant life can come back, and also at the same time supporting the community. And there's a really good, great goal of even to give more game, game animals back into that area and... Um, so yeah, that stayed with him, and he's a Zim boy, so he's always wanted to to go home. Um, big, that's that. David Pocock, you know. Yeah. The rugby player. Yeah. Oh, is it? Mm. oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So next, um, these next door neighbors for a little for while. a little while. Is that where you actually met as next door neighbors? No, no, we met that? we met at um, in a like a faith community. Um, oh, we went okay. to the same church for a while, met there, and then began to ask big questions around who we said we followed and the reality of how we lived our lives and then started questioning the whole economics, politics, um, all those sorts of things. And <laughs> Went deep quickly. Yeah. Um, and then in 2009, we were, uh, 2008, we were in Zim and we just said, if we're going to do anything anywhere to outlive what we feel is the right way to live, then why not here? And that was as much as it went through. So, 
yeah, then we tried living in community for a little while, which is why we lived across the road, right next door to each other and built aquaponics on my side yeah, and yeah, different things. That, yeah. So, yeah, that was good. <laughs> um, that was funny because my boys don't know any of this. They were too young to realise what we got yeah. up to. So, um, so, yeah, and then he moved obviously to Canberra to play for the Brumbies and our relationship, you know, changed because you're not around each other all the time but still connected, still chatting while he's over there, um, seeing what he's up to. But... Yeah, I mean, he's just a he's a remarkable individual. Um, I always said you know, the same thing he does in rugby, he'll do in every, every other area of his life, and he is. Um, and his um, partner, M is doing her um, her own thing with Front Runners, which is another organisation which is focused on um, helping athletes outlive their desires for the environment and connecting them um, and helping them to do that. So... And she's a, a remarkable person as well. They're both most amazing people. So, yeah, whenever they're back, we get to catch up. And they looked after our kids and have memories of that. So, it's yeah, it's been it's been good. But, yeah, I think Africa is a remarkable place. Um, I often think, though, if I spent time up north, Kakadu, with, um, you know, with the First Peoples of Australia, I'd probably have a very similar experience. Oh, mm-hmm. You know, I, yep. think, I think if you just meet the people that seem to have a connection to land, and the spiritual elements of the earth, and could be the first peoples in the U.S. or in South America. I think getting getting connected, deep connection to land, is probably part of that journey. And I think you'd learn something from all those cultures. But mine, my main part was in Africa, so it was good. Mm. And I think not not enough of us do do nature well enough these days, and, and connect to it. I mean, I've been lucky enough to every day take the dogs a walk in like Nangara Lake and through woods and and stuff, and it really grateful for it because eh? a lot of people living in the, I mean Paris hardly the the bustling metropolis of say New York or Manhattan or something like that but there's still people that haven't been out in the suburbs haven't just I don't know just gone and disappeared into a forest for mm. for a night or or two nights Perth um, is Perth is urbanly sprawled in the sense like Los Angeles though you just build out yeah. and mm. out and out and knock down more bush and more bush so yeah so you probably are lucky you've got a little bit of bush there. <laughs> definitely do, definitely do, living on the outskirts. Lansdale, shout out to Lansdale. 20 minutes from everywhere, Lansdale. <laughs> <laughs> That's its claim to fame. It is, yeah. it is. That's our claim to fame, the family okay. claim to fame. It's yep. literally... 20 minutes. Except yeah. Fremantle, it's a bit longer, but um, that's okay. So if I said, oh, where do you live? And it was the first time I met you, you'd say, oh, only 20 minutes away from you. <laughs> Probably exactly 20 minutes from your house, I would have thought, actually. Yeah, exactly. Probably. Probably. <laughs> So what's um you've well you've got some big um questions to to answer or or intuitions to follow maybe is the better way of putting mm. it. Yeah, and that's it. It's going to be it's just I've just got to know in the moment. Be like water. Yeah, that's it. I can't. Uh, it's so funny because when I think about it, like now I think oh, I'm not gonna have the gym. I'm not gonna have this. I'm not gonna be able to do mm. my fitness. I'm not. Gonna, but like. Then when I go, okay, well, why can't you live without that? And then I think, well, I can. And so I just have to go through a process of an ego death <laughs> to to be able to go through it. And, you know, and that what does that mean? It means that I'll probably get mentally unsettled. It probably means that I'll go, there will be a spiral. There'll probably be like some anxiety. There'll be some issues. But coming out the other side of it, you'll be a new person again. I think working on the land would be the best exercise you'll ever get. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I'm not. I'm, no matter what I do, if I'm going to be going off, I'm not going to be unhealthy. 
Um, <laughs> See him moving to an island, just becoming this big, yeah, fat, unfit yeah. person. No, but I think I think if we, I think if no, I'm going to go over to 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 do Indonesia. I think we'll probably travel a little bit together. Hmm. Um, I'd like to go. I'd like to go to South America. Um, sounds like you guys have convinced me to go to Africa as well. <laughs> um, and I'm and I'm sure that I think Delphine wants to go to do you know, some yoga in India, and I wouldn't mm. mind going doing mm. you know just learning the basics of the foundations of the basics of of um, of yoga over there as well. Uh, it's a part of movement. Is a part of my uh, well, you know, I'm into fitness. I'm into all that sort of stuff. But it's a part of my future is is being able to move better. Mm. Uh, it, it ties in with the breathing stuff. You know, the foundation of yoga is is, is breathing. In the yeah. Day. yeah, not many people will know that, especially in the West. They don't realize that. But yeah, it's it's the, the word Zen is actually balance, yeah. and it means to be balanced in terms of the nervous system and your mm. your breath and everything like that first, as well as being able to stand on one leg and you know one toe maybe. <laughs> Isn't that amazing though in the West how we don't know how to breathe? Exactly. <laughs> well, you'd think. I mean, we all breathe, obviously, mm. or you probably wouldn't last too long, mm. but really breathe like let your body naturally breathe or you know, like nose breathing i know is a big thing that we've mm. that we've stopped doing like we tend to be mouth breathers these days which is causing all sorts of like dental issues and it is but then when you look at it like the, the how much do we talk now compared to what we used to of course yeah 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 so you know we've evolved to become more of a, a language species than a, than a behavioral and mm. not even though the majority of our communication is still non-verbal the amount that we do talk now compared to what we would have talked maybe you know, 600 years ago, where they're doing the comparisons of people's jaws when it would have been like... It's very different. So there's yeah, diff- there's the, commu- the communication would yeah. have been... Like, mm, and that is mm, a problem like, when you read books like... Or, what's the book? Breath, um, Breath. by James Nestor. Yeah. You, you can read that and you... Again, it's just a little microcosm of his ideas about, about what he thinks and you mm. get it in your head that, okay, so... Um, but yeah, we, 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 would have breathed, we would have breathed more through the nose, but I don't think it's necessary because you know, we are breathing through the mouth more now, but I don't think, it's, I don't think there's been too much of a shift in terms of uh, it's not a particular reason of how it's been taught. It's just the fact that we just talk more. So I think our mouth's open a lot more. Just need to shut up. Yeah. Every yeah. now and again. And yeah, listen more than you talk. Yeah. And close your mouth and breathe your nose. All right, everybody just listen now. <laughs> be a good podcast. I mean, originally this conversation was about how to have challenging conversations, wasn't it? Yeah, and, yeah. and that the number one thing was for me was to make sure you're listening first. Yeah, yeah. With your mouth closed, because it's a funny look if you're sitting there with your mouth open looking at people. <laughs> listening has benefits. But I think if we go into that conversation, we're going to have another an hour and yeah. a half of talk, yeah, so we true. might have to leave that again for the next yeah, one. Leave that for the next one, yeah. didn't segue well enough. Half but an hour ago, there was there was one point where we were talking about um, I think it was you, you were talking about you know, the interaction you have with your children, having that awareness to like number one again, it's Listen, awareness. Yeah. The first thing is listening and awareness when you're being out of a traveling conversation. But I guess that's a, a a bit of a teaser for the next conversation we're gonna have. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Well, I think it was good that we kind of introduced a little bit about our stories into into the podcast. Now that we have. I think 18 listeners. Really? Uh, You've got listeners? <laughs> really? Oh, well, I listened eight, 18 times. So. Oh, there you go. I, I was <laughs> maybe 12 times, I was six times. <laughs> but it's been, um, yeah, really good again to, to have a chat and to, to learn more about you guys and to listen to what you have to say. 
um, especially yourself, Martin. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on, which is really exciting um, with your life, big decisions mm. coming up. Mm. And I think for us, us middle-agers, with our midlife metamorphosis going on, I think it's really interesting times as well. Um, mm. And I think you do get stuck in, you know, at this age, I must be thinking about this, or I must work for 40 years, and then I'll retire, and then I'll do everything I'm going to be doing when I'm 65 or 70. Man, every every second of every day, you should be trying to experience something. Um, yeah, I think it's it's that it's transversing the and holding the tension of the space of nothingness. It's what you have now, where you are going. There's no steps in between. So there's a myriad of things that go on for you in your thoughts and in your moods and in your body as you you're finishing something or you're feeling finished, but you you're not where you want to be. And there's just this space of nothingness and that's, you know, and I think all of us are transversing that in some way or another, you know. It can always be a problem, I think, with the goal-driven stuff as well, looking at where I should be. Where I should be is a, is a funny one because you're not there and you're never going to get there because you're always meant to be where you are now, mm. obviously. And I think as soon as you project that I need to be here, you're not there <laughs> straight away. So... I think you got to be careful with that sort of thing. I'm not saying that goals are bad. Goals are good. No, I, I think... But actions yeah. to the goals are the key element mm. to that, I think, is the action you can take right now to maybe steer you towards a direction. Um, yeah, or just be kind to yourself in that space. I think so. You know, I like just so. be patient and, and kind um, rather than driving yourself could be exactly what you need. But it's it's all different for all of us, of course. You yeah. Know, we all need different things at that time, but... Being kind to yourself could be a great way to start. It's funny, I think, in all the billions and billions of people that have ever lived as human beings, all had a subjective experience. Hmm? And that's all they ever had, which is really interesting. That's something to ponder on. Thank you. <laughs> Yay!